Kathy, welcome to the podcast. You are the person behind Little Miss Electrical, grown to nine employees now. Our audience will be really interested to hear about how you managed to build that business. A massive part of growing a team is who you get in the team. I spent months trying different things, having you know a couple of people on work experience or an apprentice and somebody on work experience, seeing if that was the best thing to do. And you've got to concentrate on keeping who you've got happy because if people leave the team that can have a big detrimental effect as well tv coverage is so good for exposure if you can publicize that you've been on something like check a trade or garden rescue it makes you look reputable how did you then make the decision to start building that team i think the biggest step i took was Welcome to the podcast. Um, it's great to have you on. So you are the person behind Little Miss Electrical. Um, started, I think, in 2017. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been growing yeah. since 2017. Brilliant. And um, yeah, grown to nine employees now. Is that you got more? Yeah, I think there's there's about ten of us, something like that. I keep losing okay. count of them. You have to do it on your fingers each time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think like, our audience will be really interested to hear about how you managed to build that business. Um, from what I understand, all you know, all of your employees are directly employed by you, um, and um, yeah, it's fantastic to see how you've built that team up. Learn a bit more about how you've grown the business. Um, but it'd be great to hear a bit of it about the backstory um, to how you came to to start the business and and, and where you are today. Yeah, no, that's fine. Oh, sorry, I don't want to tell you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it now. Now that's your cue. <laughs> oh, fab. Okay, well, um, so I started off, it was just kind of me on my own, and I branded as Little Miss Electrical, kind of describing myself. I'm quite small. I'm a miss, and I was doing electrical, so it was just that, really. And just because of the demand that we had for work was why I grew the team. It's been, like, quite... Um, it's not just been a smooth one, then two, then three, then four. It's... We've had like electricians come, apprentices start, you know, things like that. So it's been like over the last five years that we've grown the team and we've got to like 10, 11 employees now, including our admin staff. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been hard. It's been, there's been a lot of like tough times and stress, but it's also been really rewarding as well. So it's like, it's just an amazing place to be at now. We've got such a nice team. Everyone gets on really well and I feel like we're like, you know, nice. Sounds cheesy, but like one big family now. So, mm. oh, fantastic. But um, in terms of like how you started that, you didn't. You know, this isn't your first career, is it? Like how? What we what were you doing before? So originally, I wanted to be well. What I decided to go to uni today was um, law. So I went to university and I did a degree in law and a master's in law and practice, so that I could be a solicitor. Um, after doing about eighteen months in practice as a um, legal assistant doing conveyancing um I tried a couple of different firms I thought at first it was the firm that wasn't for me but it was just the job bro like being sat in an office wasn't sort of my thing um and just I just didn't really enjoy I didn't like I didn't like the commute to work every day you know sitting on a train I didn't like having to wear all the office attire and you know full face makeup handbag all that sort of stuff um it just didn't really suit my personality 
Um, and when I met my my now husband, um, he was a plasterer and he'd been self-employed since he was about 18 as a plasterer. Um, so we renovated a house together and that's how I ended up getting into wanting to do a trade. Um, I wanted to be more involved in the renovation process. So I moved, um, well, I looked at doing a different career from there, really. And, wh- and why did you pick um, electrical work? <laughs> so all I always used to say to me, um, you know, if you're intelligent, you can't be a plasterer. Not that plasterers aren't intelligent, but just because it's quite like hands-on and not very technical um, compared to plumbing and electrics. So he always said you should do a plumbing or gas or electrics. And when I thought about plumbing, I always just thought about toilets. And I was like, I don't want to get involved in messy yeah. toilets. So um, that's why I decided to look into electrics. Um, it was quite like, you know, whim decision, really. It was never like something I put loads of thought. And, you know, I liked taking remotes apart when I was a kid. So I was like, yeah, I'll do. I'll just try that and see how I'll get on. I used to take everything apart when I was at home and then just like not be able to put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and how did how did you get started in it? Like obviously you're renovating the house, but then how how did it go from there to actually starting a business? Um so I looked up at different ways you could retrain as an electrician, like night courses, day courses, and like what appeared to be the quickest thing to me at the time was doing the domestic installer courses. Um, these get loads of stick in industry um, and I can see why but it worked for me and it meant that I could go out there and get and do domestic electrics quite early on um, so it is like unbelievably it's just it's a five to seven week course depending on how many modules you pick up because you can add pat testing onto it um, and I did it so I've got some work with an electrician and I did a week on the course and then I would go with him for a few weeks and then do another week on the course because initially I booked it manually from my my law job so I couldn't just go do a block chunk like that because I wasn't allowed that much time off um but then after my first week on the course I'd I'd had a disagreement with a boss at work and left my job so I'd got this work with an electrician and it worked a bit like an apprenticeship style for me so I was doing on the site training and then going back to college a bit like apprentices do but rather than a day a week I was doing like a week maybe every two months or three months or depending on where the you know the, that module fell you know, say if they had a car a week doing that bit that I needed to do at the end of June, I'd go at the end of June. If the next one wasn't till September, you know, it was I just did it as and when they could fit me in at the college for those modules. Um, and then I also, because we were renovating a house at the time, I rewired that house. So it was like putting into practice what we did on a really small workshop area in college into a, a full three bedroom house. And we made a flat in the um, basement because it was like a lower ground floor rather than a complete cellar. So we made, we, I rewired like a three bedroom house and a flat and got them completely separated as my first sort of sign off job, which was quite a big thing to do as your first. I was doing little jobs, you know, during the week with Steve, the electrician I worked with. And then I was doing that sort of in my own time, which was, you know, it was, a, it was sort of throwing me in the deep end. So I was lucky because I literally, we got the whole house out. Like everything out of the house back to the brick walls we put new partitions up so I learned you know the whole process of renovating a house at the same time as the process of wiring it which meant you know I got the best experience you know or one of the best experiences you can get in learning a trade at the same time as learning the trade so I was really lucky so I do like I say you do get a lot of stick for doing short courses in industry but I think the way that I did it I was just really lucky that I had that electrician there working with me and also the opportunity to rewire two properties at the same time and then an IC coming out to assess it all kind of 
meant it had to all be bang on. And the building inspector as well came out to assess it all for the, the whole renovation. Um, and afterwards, I rewired his house from that job. So, yeah, it was obviously good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it sounds perfect. Yeah. And, and like moving into an industry that is, um, you know, clearly even now very male dominated, did you experience any, you know, barriers there or was it something that you thought much about? So I never really thought anything of it because I don't, I don't know why it didn't really make me think much of it until what happened was I just thought I want to be an electrician and, you know, it's never really thought anything about it being a boys job or anything. And then when I was trying to get work experience, I rang a company who were recruiting, um, they call them electrician's mates when they're like not an apprentice, but they're training, but not on an official apprenticeship. And he basically said, oh, you need to have done a, another another course, a level two course, which was another night course um, before we'd be interested in taking you on. You need at, like, si- at least six months experience. And I was like, oh, where am I going to get that? And my sister knew an electrician who was local, who he was like a few years above her at school, but we knew him quite well just from being living in the area. And he was like, oh, yeah, she can come work with me. That's fine. Like, I didn't bat an eyelid. And so because he was willing to give me that experience, and it was only maybe the second or third person I'd spoke to, um, it didn't really occur to me how difficult it can actually be until, you know, doing a lot of different, um, like, careers, events and stuff like that where, you know, we've been trying to encourage more girls to get into industry and realised how off-putting it can be and how difficult it can actually be for women to get into the industry. And obviously now, you know, we've created a bit of a space in industry you know where girls can come work with us get an apprenticeship with us and they feel more safe but it is definitely um a a thing but it just wasn't a a much of a barrier for me really and do like i guess do do you see it as getting better over the last few years i mean obviously you're doing a lot to encourage more women into the industry but do you see others doing that do you think it is changing I don't know. I think a lot of people are either like all for it and think it's really refreshing or they kind of like grumble and don't really like they're not impressed by it. But I think it I think over over a longer period of time it will change. I do think like the school system's not set up towards encouraging trades at all for any when I was at school, like, it was always like the naughty boys who went and got trades, you know, it was the lads who, you know, were always in trouble and stuff. It wasn't they were you weren't seen as intelligent if you went to become an electrician. It was it was more like, you know, the lads who were as academic, which I don't think's really, you know, it's not very encouraging when, you know, you do have to be intelligent to be an electrician. And you know, I think they, I think they take away, especially I think maybe because of the recession, but I do think they take away the amount of skill required to go and get a trade, whether it is building, plastering, electrics or plumbing, you know, any of the others. I do think schools, like careers advisors and stuff, they don't give it the sort of appreciation that it deserves. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, the, like careers advice in school in general is, um, from my experience, is pretty, pretty poor. But yeah, it, it, you're dead right. From from what I've seen, it's it, it seems a, a shame that there isn't more encouragement across the board for people getting into trades industry. And yeah, it's hard for um, yeah women in particular in that um, scenario. So, um, I mean, what more do you think? can be done now um i guess not just yourself we can talk a bit about what you, you're doing at little miss electrical but what more can be done do you think at a you know industry level or or you know outside of that school system to to sort of show that it is a, a job that um 
you know, women can access just as well as men. Well, I've seen like a lot of colleges do stuff like um, open days and events where they get, you know, they, they offer like classes where girls can go and have a go at doing electric supplement. Um, and they always seem to get responded to really well. So I think maybe just more places doing stuff like that, more like not necessarily just colleges, but like the NIC, IC did a grant for girls going into industry, but which if you were in industry or going into industry, they would help you with some sort of funding towards something. I think it was up to £500. They could give you tools or training. But, like, you're already at the point now where they've made that decision and gone for that. You know, what, what there isn't really a lot that's at the earlier stage of encouraging that decision to be made or giving putting that option out there. So, I don't know, I think, like, there is a lot of institutions that, that do it if you know they're there but if you don't know about them like there's women in manual trades down in, I think in Birmingham and they do a lot of like open days and taster days and stuff like that so I don't know I think maybe just doing more stuff like that you know to people at school age it's like I don't really remember learning much about electrics or plumbing or, or any trades really at school I mean we probably did a bit but I think it was just so quickly brushed over mm. yeah 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 and in terms of like what what you do um I mean, how 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 do you go about attracting women to to work for you? Is it? Um, I mean, obviously you've got your brand and and that's kind of naturally getting out there. But is there anything that you do in particular um, to, to encourage that? So we have like a page on our website where people can send their details if they're looking at getting a trade or they're looking at or they need an apprenticeship or something like that if they've got experience and we keep them all on a database but there's like so many we can't accommodate them all um but we do get a lot of inquiries just where people have seen our vans around and they're like oh that'd be great to go work or to know more about that that female team um but like the colleges if they've got girls that, that are trying to get work experience and they're struggling they'll ring us and say you know we've got this female student who keeps getting knocked back for work experience and they'll help i mean we take lads on work experience as well um but yeah, it's like, I think it's just hard, just generally, if they are getting refused, it knocks your confidence as well, doesn't it? But we do get a lot of people interested in, so I think it's maybe more companies being able or willing to like give them that opportunity because like, there's not enough of us to be able to supervise that many as how many applications we get. And we're only quite a small local company, so you know outside of the areas we cover we get inquiries still from people over at Manchester where people in Nottingham and stuff people in York and you know it's just outside of the areas we cover and there, there isn't stuff in those areas either for them so yeah yeah well, it, I mean it sounds it sounds great that, that that you're doing that um yeah we just need need more of it I guess yeah definitely um, and then just changing uh tack slightly so you once you've sort of learned the trade, how was that process for you about actually starting the business? Like, was that something that you sort of felt that you knew how to do or did you get support there? Like, how, how, how did that go? Um, well, because my husband's a self-employed plasterer, um, I was literally just like, you know, he was like a bit of a mentor for me and he was really good at being able to, you know, tell me what I needed to do and stuff like that. Um, I didn't really do a great deal. Like, I think when people think setting up a business there's like so much to it but I don't know how you started with what you do but I literally set up a Facebook page um and like had free time available to go out and and work really so that was it it wasn't there wasn't so much to it as what I thought like I got an account and I got a business account you know didn't didn't like do this 
major thing. It was just kind of like, I think the biggest step I took was a Facebook page and, and a bit of networking. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think for most people that you haven't started a business, they think it's like this big thing that you you know it's really complicated but you're right it is just you know there aren't that many steps to actually like create a business like anyone could do that in a day and I think maybe the that biggest step as you say is like you've created a Facebook page or a website whatever it is that is the point that you're actually putting yourself out there and making it public and then you know, yeah so that's probably a bit daunting yeah I think the biggest step I, I took at all really was leaving my legal job because that was taking up all of my time which meant I couldn't then go do anything else so um yeah I think I suppose it's just making yourself available and then putting yourself out there really yeah I guess it's um people worry about risk if like if they've got something like you had your legal job like yeah like similar it's like this I had a, a decent job before um and people worry about oh well you know if I throw myself into starting something you know that, that there's huge risk but actually you know it's uh, hopefully similar for you like uh, an amazing experience even if it didn't work out like you can just go and get another job like yeah it's not the risk isn't huge like yeah it might be challenging but um but yeah it's certainly something that i'd recommend yeah what about like i don't know variables like um re- repeat work so um you know if i get someone who's come through a um essentially a lead gen site so a customer's come through check a trade or rate people my builder whichever yeah um do you do you think like the the value of that customer over their lifetime is likely to be different from a say a recommendation because that's one thing that i guess that we're very interested in looking at and, and trying to give people data on um because i guess you've got volume of customers then you've got like the cost of the job the profitability of the job the conversion rate like whether they'll recommend people to other like you know do you is that something that you've you i guess you have an instinct over whether there are differences or something you've you've thought about yeah i don't know how you would monitor that though that's probably something you'll know more about being able to monitor like following through from that basic where they come from but then like you Mm. say um how many people are recommending stuff i definitely think the more local they are i would say if a customer recommends us to another customer then we probably get more work from them if that makes sense like we get a lot of repeat customers mm. but i don't know where the fit where the customers come from in the first place like without checking mm. if you know what i mean yeah yeah no it's just um i don't think i've got the answer to this by the way but it's certainly something that we want to ensure that we help people track because i think if you're able to say that you know i I can easily get customers from whatever source it is but what is the value of that customer over its lifetime actually it could there could be significant differences there so it might you know for whichever source it is that you want to use um you know knowing that information might actually cause you to make a different decision compared to just deciding you know i can get this volume yeah, I think that's definitely like, it's definitely something that would be better to know because then you can make a better judgment of something like, like you say, if you just say, oh, it, we get this many customers through Checker Trade, but they only use it once and it's not generally big jobs, then I think, yeah, that would definitely be more beneficial to, to know. Like we get a lot of customers that are local through Facebook, 
and I know we get repeat customers from them and then I know they recommend us to other people because Facebook has got the facility for them to then recommend us but and check should obviously not have them facilities but that's only like off the top of my head I've got nothing to back that up really apart from probably being able to pick out yeah. the odd few customers that I know have done that if you know what yeah. I mean yeah 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 sure and I guess like once you get them in you can like tailor how like if you know certain things about think like customers that are coming through that channel you may maybe you, you create your messaging in a slightly different way to to, to kind of optimize that um but yeah yeah and no, it's um something that that i guess i'm very interested in in particular yeah no definitely something that help businesses though as well it's not it's not cheap marketing like we never used to pay for advertising but over the last probably 12 to 18 months we've started paying more just because we've had a bigger team and we've wanted to reassure that we're going to have work for that team um, and like Checker Trade, I think we spend about two hundred pound a month with them, probably nearly three hundred pound a month with them. And Yale's about the same, but that's plus fat not including. So we're probably spending twenty percent more with Yale. Um so and I think like being able to actually see like it's all right saying, yeah, we've got some customers or with Yale they can say, Oh, we've we've this many people have hit call on through Yale but we don't know who those people are. Yeah, or like yeah, what yeah ultimately how much money do you make from that customer coming through um which yeah theoretically may not even be positive but you could Um, you could get more like when we used to set somebody up on our old software one of the questions was customer source so you couldn't put them in as a customer without finding out where they'd come from so we would just ask, or if you don't mind asking, where did you get our details from? You know, was was it a recommendation or? And then they'll tell you usually. And then it, you can stop. You could stop it from. You couldn't continue without entering that information, so you couldn't forget because it was triggered. Um, and then so even if they had come through Yale, they could. You could then like quantify how many had come through Yale by asking the question. Do you know what I mean? And then you could track it. So that would be something that'd be. And like you say, if you say, like we had a thing that you could put recommendation for another customer, but you couldn't say who had recommended them. But if you built that into your software, then you would be able to like track that further. So I think, yeah, it'd definitely be valuable because then, like you say, not only have you got one customer from Checker Trade, but then they've recommended another customer. So that's then two customers and that could all link back, I suppose. I'm rubbish yeah, with exactly, IT. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does get quite complicated once you're trying to like track like back to okay, what was the original source, and then like you know what um, you know that that person came from that source, and then they recommended these three other people, and then suddenly, and they're they're all repeat customers. Like the value of that one maybe small repair job in the first instance could be massive, or it could be someone came to you and you just did one repair job and then they went back on to whatever um check trade or whatever yeah, and exactly, found, yeah. found whoever else next time it's like well actually you know it, maybe i didn't make any money on that customer um yeah so just um yeah i guess changing tack a, a little bit again to going back to um you started the business um that's all fine you get up and running it's just you how did you then make the decision to start building that team and, and, and how did you decide to do it in the way that you did it via, you know, all the, all the alternatives? Because this is certainly something that you know, a lot of our audience are interested in. We have customers who are very small, maybe one or two pe- people, and they're like, how do I actually build 
the business up and it's something you've clearly done very successfully yeah I think a lot of the time it's just been trial and error like some things that work for some people might not work for others and I've tried different stuff so to begin with I was just like I was working on my own all the time and I was like you know my my fellow always had a a labourer with him so they helped him and so he was like you know get someone to come help you so I was like looking for somebody to help um or people might sometimes contact me and say oh my neighbor's son or somebody that we know that's related to us somehow is looking for an apprenticeship have you got any work experience for them um I think I'd had a few people ask and then I was like right I need some help because I'm I could get more done in the day if I had help and also it's a bit of company for you um so I, that's why I started off I had a young lad called Sam who used to, used to pick him up and he would come work with me um and he was looking for an apprenticeship and then when I was so after I did my um five-week course I signed up to do with it full um electrical qualification starting doing my level two on a night and then my level three on a night and then my MVQ and the college that I went to they had apprentices that were looking for apprenticeships and they said after you've done your level two we can you know your NIC sign we can give you an apprentice and they had a a female apprentice who well she was she was looking for an apprenticeship and again she'd um she'd done plumbing for a year and then decided she wanted to do electrics instead um and so they, I, I had them both working with me, depending on sort of, because she was still at college. I think she was doing three days at college and available two days or something like that. Um, and it, it was kind of just a matter of, you know, who was the hardest working, who was the most punctual kind of thing. Um, and she was a lot more flexible and, you know, she was, she worked, she was worked a bit harder and, you know, basically she was the better candidate of the two and we ended up taking her as an apprentice. And then, from there I was still really busy and it was like I was getting all this work coming in I was inquiries but I wasn't I didn't have enough capacity to keep up with them and um it was like looking for somebody else who could work with us and trying to decide like how skilled you wanted them to be did you want them to be a fully qualified electrician and go off and do jobs without you did you want them to be another like semi-skilled person or electrician's mate who's got experience you know who can work with you with you as well and go as a team of three so it was that was the biggest decision I had to make really um I took on a guy who had been um he'd worked for housing association for like 12 years and he was really good um but he wasn't qualified so but he had loads of experience and he'd got like part qualified and I think I don't know if he'd dropped off his apprenticeship or something like right at the start and he worked with me for a few months as a subcontractor and I picked up so many tips from him in terms of like speeding up on a rewire and things like that um and then I decided I think I think somebody contacted me through Facebook for one of the female electrician groups who's a qualified electrician um you know expressing interest in coming to work for us um and I ended up taking her on as my first qualified electrician employee and that was like such a big step but it was really hard. I spent months kind of like trying different things, having, you know, a couple of people on work experience or an apprentice and somebody on work experience, seeing if that was the best thing to do, you know. But like it's hard to know whether to get somebody who can go off and do it without you because obviously you've got a bigger financial outlay then or to get somebody who can work with you and you can all go as a team because then if you've got a small job, it's a bit of a crowd. But if you've got a lot of big jobs, it might work better that all three of you go and get those jobs done one at a time rather than you are kind of spreading out and going different jobs if that makes sense mm, yeah totally. Take, totally and I guess like go on. taking on a qualified electrician though obviously their their salary that they're on like it's a big financial commitment to make and it was so scary mm. and I had to get her a van and 
tell me a little bit about um some of the like the media appearances that you've done and um you know what what's triggered that and i guess also like what what you've got out of it we've done quite a few different things so we've done we've done a lot on social media in terms of like media articles um and we've done a bit of stuff on tv so we were on garden rescue quite early on that was with me and my first apprentice did that um and it was really exciting at the time like we really enjoyed it um what else have we been on we were on smiles on tv now oh look north we were on look north something about oh it was about the the women's um oh, it's a national register of tradeswomen that's what it's called and they're really good because they're it's a bit like checker trade but just for tradeswomen and um when people are specifically needing to find a tradeswoman for whatever reason they can go to that register and they've got like a whole database of all kinds of trades um that have women in them so that's really good tv coverage is so good for exposure like even if you've got loads of followers or whatever on social media if you can then like publicize that you've been on something like checker trade or garden rescue it just kind of solidifies what you're doing it 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 makes you look reputable and it's good for you know it impresses people like you know you you must be genuine if they'll put you on garden rescue and let you wire some up on there if, if you know what i mean and if look look now for willing to interview you about how you're an electrician then you must be a real electrician sort of thing um so yeah but my sister's really good at getting involved in stuff like that and she's always recommending me to different stuff because um one of she does like business coaching and like one of the things that she finds really helps her is people seeing you as viable you know and if people come to you as an expert and ask you to comment on something as an expert or interview you you know as what you say you do it just kind of like makes people believe that that you you know you are genuine so it's good yeah and I think like in the the type of work that you do like trust is such a massive element because ultimately you're going to go into people's houses um to work on so I think um if you can show that and demonstrate that um it's going to be a massive benefit I'm interested in um changes within the industry because I think like have you found yourself getting more involved in things like solar ev charge points batteries is that something you see as a big growth area or like if you, you got involved in any of that yet um so ev charging we started to get a bit involved with when they first started doing all the grants and stuff i did the training for it and our first qualified electrician she is quite keen on getting up to date with that sort of stuff um but they just kept changing the goalposts with like the requirements and it's such a developing thing that um because we we're so busy with all our other work we just chose not to um not to take up that like some companies set up just doing that and like they were just doing uh, car charges constantly but because we had so much other work on it was like we'd have to do special updates and training just to do a chat course install a car charge because in the last six months so much changed so now we just recommend um a guy that i know that specializes in that he's local and he's lovely and um, so we just recommend him all the time for that um I've never really got much involved with solar and stuff. I think it was a bit before I retrained that everyone was like mad about it. Um, so I did a little bit of stuff with a guy who does all off grid um, or grid tied systems. But it's like, I think if you're going to do something like micro generation where, where you've got, you know, this, where you've got like on site solar and stuff like that, there's proper um, like, like there's different regulation that applies to it. And it is, something you need to be on top of um we do do saying that we do wire heat pumps for a company but he's like the expert on them so we just get all our 
knowledge off him and then he and he we get all the manufacturers instructions and we and they've got really good technical support so if we get a heat pump to wire we go do them but he kind of does all the spec and all the setup and everything and we just go out and do the wiring side of it um but it's something we've recently started doing with a company um called heat pump installs uk so um it's yeah it's not something we've specialized in but i do think if you are going to do something like that really it is good to specialize so that you know you're on top of your game with it yeah, for sure. I mean, it's something we we talk a lot with heating engineers at the moment about um, about heat pump installations, and I think yeah, because you've got you know, to be all so. MCS registered and stuff, haven't you? So it's quite yeah, yeah. And I think like actually specking them correctly is like really complex. Yeah, well, like Andrew's company, he literally spends so much time in the office just specking and designing stuff. And I know Paul, a guy who does just does EV charging, massive part of his job is design. Um, so yeah. But, you know, like I went to a job recently where they've had an electric boiler installed in their apartment and that's been specced wrong and they're having so many problems with it. Um, and like they've called us out to try and help sort it out and trying to get to the bottom of it with the manufacturers and nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those things that from what people have said, it's like specking a boiler wrong is like you've got a lot of like space to get it a little bit wrong. Whereas like these heat pumps, it's like, you know, you've, you've got to get it right. Otherwise people are going to think, oh, I'm investing in this thing because it's either going to save me money or whatever and actually like end up costing them a lot to install it and a lot to run it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it seems with, like... With the grant payments as well, if you do something that's wrong, then um, you don't get the grant payment. And so if the customer, if you've sold it to the customer on the basis that they're going to get so much towards it in a grant payment and you do something wrong the grant aren't going to pay and the customer ain't going to pay and you're going to lose that money and that's obviously a big risk especially with heat pumps because the grants for them i think they've just reduced last april but before that they were like 30 odd grand over seven years that they would pay back so if you made a 30 odd grand mess up you know you could be going under quite easily yeah yeah it's pretty tough yeah um so yeah like final final question um I'm interested in your ambitions for this business. I mean, obviously you've achieved a massive amount to date. Like, where do you go from here? Are you like comfortable running it as you are? Like, what what, what do you want to do with it? So it's so hard to like know what's the next thing to do. So like this time last year, a couple of our electricians left and we were sort of, it made a big difference to the company size and the capacity. And then we got a couple of new teams started in the new year. And that's brought us back up to probably stronger than we were this time last year um and it, i think we are actually because we've got more vans now i think because these we've got four vans than mine there's five but i don't really go on site now whereas this time last year i was still rushing around on site all the time trying to do everything um and sometimes i'm like oh my god i need to find some more staff we need to get more and you know i get really like yesterday i was looking at all the jobs i had to book in and loads of customers wanted everything to do immediately and i was like oh we could just do with three more electricians but then it's like obviously the outlay you've got to do um like a massive part of growing a team is who you get in the team you know it's not like I'm not saying some people aren't right or, but a team is made up of so many people that you know if some like just working with one person all the time can make your job like really good or it can make it really bad and if you don't get on with somebody that well even if it's not that either of you are doing anything wrong you just clash a bit it can like upset the whole team. Like sometimes we have to think about who we place with who in terms of their experience, their ability, where they live, whether they drive, and you know, going and picking someone up every day and dropping them off every day can make a diff- such a difference to 
how happy you are in your job and it's like accounting for all that so when you add new people into the team it proper like rocks the boat and it's really hard to like get settled again especially if you add more people um what I, what I tend to do now is if someone contacts me and I think we could accommodate them we'll go on trial with them and then see how things go and just kind of like see what they're wanting see if it's something we could kind of accommodate you know see how much I'm gonna have to outlay to bring them in if they need a van and stuff like that and then kind of weigh up what's what's the best thing to do really um I'd love to just be like yeah we're gonna have 20 vans but I know what the actual implications are of trying to manage that many people are and it is really difficult and also um the further out you spread means the further out you've got to travel to do quotes and I started we had somebody who started over in Wigan and I was going over to Wigan doing quotes and it was just so like time consuming and it was really difficult to be able to just like pick up another area that quickly and we were trying to cover like like a more spread out area up to that so that it wasn't just like we'll cover West Yorkshire and Wigan like randomly it was like we covered sort of between here and Wigan as well but it's like further than what you think sometimes as well and travel if people spend a lot of time traveling between jobs you know it's it is hard like definitely growing is really hard and I think a lot of the time it will happen naturally when you've got the right team yeah yeah absolutely yeah I I very much echo that like if you get the right team like it will just you'll figure it out yeah you can't do it all on your own can you yeah exactly like you need a good team and like you all have to appreciate each other as well and I have to get on and it's definitely it's definitely teamwork and team effort and yeah I guess you'll know with having a team how much difference just one person can make yeah and certainly I've yeah made those mistakes that you you mentioned before where you like hire someone that you know maybe yeah you, either of you aren't doing anything wrong it's just not quite the right match you don't find that out till you start doing it especially when you're small and you're figuring out what the roles are yeah um, and it's one of those like yeah i i kind of personal experiences just you know just make the decision quickly be transparent and um yeah it's kind of the best way to go for everyone yeah, yeah you've got it's hard you've got to be business minded as well about stuff and sometimes it's easy to get like mixed up personally with what's fair and unfair and what's the best thing to do and it is really hard but um but yeah we've got a really good team now and like I think if people approach us that I think would fit into the team well and stuff works well and like as well you've got to concentrate on keeping who you've got happy because if people leave the team it that can have a big detrimental effect as well and like we try to keep our girls working in teams of two so that they're safer then they've got company for the day and they've got help you know help on hand so one electrician leaving can mean we've you know we've no longer got an apprenticeship available for somebody or one apprenticeship apprentice leaving or not having enough apprentices can mean that somebody's working on their own every day and that can be you know quite detrimental to them enjoying the job as well so I think it's important to look after who you've got as well and remember that you know it's always not always numbers yeah if you've got people that you can trust to take a ton of stuff off your plate it's um, yeah an absolute game changer Cool. Well, um, it's been fantastic to, to have you on, Cathy. Um, you've shared some really interesting insights there um, and uh, I'm sure we could go on, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe leave that for another day. Um, but thank you very much. Thank you.